all a man's ways seem innocent to him, but motives are weighed by the Lord. That's a good one. I've been in this series. We've been uh, together looking at Christmas carols, and this is the third week in that series. And, um, of course, we are jumping off of Christmas carols, but our, our inspiration comes from the Word of God. And um, today's, today's Christmas carol is Away in the Manger. And for me, that's just more of the, you know, it really evokes something of my childhood. I don't know if it does for you, but it's something about a little baby Jesus and... and um, it's a terrific song, and um, it's, it's, it's history, a little bit of history, and then we're going to hear it. Um, was, uh, nobody really knows who wrote it. For a long time, people thought Marth, Martin Luther wrote it, you know, you know, the first Martin Luther, not the king one, the other guy. And he, um, you know, he was given credit for it, but there were actually some manuscripts found that preceded his birth, so we don't think that he wrote it before he was alive. And so really nobody knows who wrote it, but the first time it was published, it was published in a Lutheran Sunday school um, curriculum in 1855. So it's been around a long time. It's, it's just a tender song, tender words, and uh, it'll touch your heart, so away in the manger. Bye. 
I know you can't get a song into a snow globe, but that would be the one. That um, I don't think I've heard that arrangement before. It was really wonderful, you know. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> wow, that just creates this feeling of tenderness, and um, you know, I have this. These, you know, it's an amazing picture if you think about the spiritual dynamics going on there of. Jesus being born, and of God stripping himself of his glory and um, being born in the lowest place, and somehow showing by that that none of us are too low for the Lord to reach down and and to uh, help us and to touch us. You know, there's a phrase that goes over and over in that song that I'm going to spring off of in a minute, and and here's what I'm hoping will happen, that after today... The way you think when you hear that phrase will change and that it's going to just kind of do something new in you because you're going to look at it a little differently that the Holy Spirit will somehow lovingly jolt you and go, oh, yeah, 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 that's beautiful. But here's something, you know, to tack on to that. That, that. The phrase that I'm talking about, that's that tender phrase that we say, the little Lord Jesus, the little Lord Jesus. I love that phrase. It's Unfortunately, though, sometimes focusing on just the little Lord Jesus can kind of be a little bit of a disservice to us, you know. Jesus isn't just a six-pound, eight-ounce little baby, right? I mean, I mean, it fits in that size, but rather than thinking of just on the size of the baby, today what I want to do is I want to focus on the lordship, the lordship of Christ. And the key, so that's what the key thought of today's message will be, Jesus is Lord, Everybody say, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. That's good. That's good to hear from all of us. 740 times in the New Testament, Jesus is referred to as Lord. And, you know, one of the, there's, there are, when we come to Christmas time, there's a certain passage that is probably the most classic version of the Christmas story that's told. And I've heard it lots of times in lots of different ways and lots of different translations. Um, and I'm going to share one with you today. Maybe you've seen this one, maybe you haven't, but this one is it's video, and it's going to include some references to, to, to today. So this is kind of a contemporary version of the Christmas story, and it includes references to Google, emailing, messaging, Twitter. If you know what Twitter is, you, know, you better know. I mean, by now, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, they're all in there. So I hope you enjoy this digital version of the Christmas story.
the uh, titles at the end I added to this video, which obviously I grabbed off the internet because somehow in that whole story, they forgot to mention that Jesus was actually the Lord. It's a great story, and that's typically the story. What you saw was typically the story that's shared out there. And uh, so I want to actually get into the Luke chapter 2 version and see what it says. And so here's the context. You have these shepherds that are out in the fields at nighttime, and they're watching over their sheep. And, uh, and in Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 10, an angel shows up to these guys, and they're, they're, they're afraid. They're, they're, one, one translation says they're terrified. And the earliest translation of this that I remember was in the, the TV show, The Peanuts Christmas, remember? Linus comes out on the stage, and he says they were sore afraid. Remember that? Sore afraid. I'm thinking, what does that mean? Well, I don't know, but the word afraid actually is, it comes from this Greek word phobeo, phobia. The, it, it comes from a, an un, irrational fear. And uh, anyway, so that's what's going on there. I'm, I, for some reason, I think of peanuts when I read Luke chapter 2. Now you're polluted just like I'm polluted. <laughs> Starting in verse 10. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And at the very beginning of the story, it's established that Jesus, the Son of God, is born. He's our Savior, and Christ is the Lord. The Lord. Big question is, what does that mean to us? I mean, in everyday life, what does it mean that Christ is Lord? In, 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 in our marriage, what does it mean that Christ is Lord in our marriage? In, in, if you're dating, what does it mean when you date if Christ is the Lord? When you're working, what does it mean when you're talking to your boss Christ is Lord. When you're Christmas shopping, I don't know what that has to do with, but I mean, but what, what does it mean that Christ is Lord there? I don't know. The freeways today, just stay away from the malls. It's going to be horrible, but Christ will still be the Lord there. What does it mean? And um, the, the word Lord for us gets a little bit lost because it's such a common, so commonly, commonly used out there. The Greek word here for Lord is, is kurios. And the literal translation of that word, what it means is supreme in authority, controller, Lord. Now, I can already imagine that for some of us in this room or listening to the message, the word controller is going to be a little bit of a challenge because, you know, if Jesus is going to be the controller, he's, you know, he's got some competition in you because we want to be in control, right? We do. Thankfully, I don't have any problems with control issues. (laughs) <laughs> okay, the ones closest to me are laughing the first. Okay, so, okay, I do have a little bit of a control. I don't have a control problem as long as everybody does what I want them to do, okay? <laughs> Other than that, I'm fine. And I, I do have a little bit of a control. I mean, I do, admittedly, I, I want to be in control of everything. And, I mean, driving the car, it's really hard for me not to drive because nobody drives right. People getting on the on-ramp don't get on right. People don't turn, they don't use, they don't park right. They don't, I just should do it because they won't do it right. Or the TV remote, we even call that a controller, but the truth is the controller of the controller is in control. And so just don't touch the TV control and we're going to be fine. I don't know how it will be for you, but the chances are that a lot of us in this room want to be in control. We do. I want my day to go a certain way, you know. 
don't, so I made this list. Don't fuss with my list because I've got my day planned. I'm in control here. Or maybe it's, we want to be in control of our kids. You know, I mean, we think we need to lead them and guide them and raise them. And yet we want to control them because we want our kids to do what we want them to do. Or I want Christmas to go just perfect. So I'm going to control it. I mean, I want the kids to come bouncing down the stairs. I want their hair to be brushed. There's not going to be any fighting. We're going to read Luke chapter two. The angels will sing. Oh, perfect, right? Okay. And I'm going to control it. So many of us want to be in control. And the fact is the need to control is present pretty much in all of us to some degree. So what does it mean that Jesus is supreme in authority, controller, Lord? What does it mean to make Jesus the Lord of our life? Technically, I should say that you realize that we don't make Jesus Lord, right? You realize that. I mean, He's been Lord for a lot longer than you and I've been around. Somebody else made, God made Jesus Lord. So we don't actually make him Lord. What we do is we surrender to what already is. What already is. We, we, we just, we don't make him Lord. God made him Lord. We surrender to his Lordship. So when we, you know, we surrender to the supreme in authority, the only one who really is in control. We surrender to the Lord. So what I want to talk to you today about is surrendering to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and talk a little bit about how we do it. There are two different levels of surrender that I want to talk about today. The first level I want to talk about is I'm just going to call the partially surrendered life. And I'm, I'm, I'm kind of afraid that, that this is where the majority of American Christians live in a partially surrendered life. In other parts of the world, you, see, um, you, you, you might see cultures where people are fully surrendered more than you do in the United States, where maybe, the, maybe because there's more persecution, it's more intense, I'm not sure. But where we live here in the United States, it's very common that there just are a lot of very casual Christians, cultural Christians. Um, I read a book by a guy named Greg Crochelle, and um, he is titled Christian Atheists captivating thought. Basically, he talks about Christians who, you know, they, they believe in God, but they live as if he doesn't exist. And it's the partially surrendered life. So I want to look, uh, look into Luke, flip over to Luke chapter 6. Here's Jesus talking to these builders, and he's talking to these wise builders and these foolish builders. And speaking to the foolish builders, he says this. These are the words of Jesus. Why do you call me Lord, Lord? Why do you say I'm Lord of your life? You know, why do you call me Lord? And do not do what I say. Why are you giving me this lip service? He's saying, don't give me lip service. I want life service. You know, don't talk the talk, walk the walk. He's saying, why are you calling me Lord? And then just going and doing whatever it is that you want to do. Because this isn't a game. And Jesus is saying, you know, let's get this right. Unfortunately, I I think a lot of people today say, I believe in the Lord, but I still kind of want to do what I want to do. I want to be in control. I still want to do what I want to do. I believe Jesus is Lord. I'm just not going to trust him with everything. So before long, we end up doing something like this. We say, okay, well, it's in the Bible. See, I'm supposed to love people. Okay, I can do that. Um, hmm, forgive people. I don't know about that. You know, I mean, I could forgive just about anything, but did you hear? Did you hear what he did to me? There is no way I could forgive that. I can't do that. Okay, trust God, trust God, have faith in God. Um, okay, I'm supposed to be generous, supposed to give to people, tithe, 10%, 10%, 
no way. That's 10%. That's just completely not going to do that. I'm way better at managing my money than God could ever be. Or they say, uh, it says, let's see, serve, give of my time. Okay, God, I'll, I'll, I'll give you my time. I'll, I'll give you my time. I'll, I'll come to church on Sundays occasionally, and I'll spend some time there. I might you know, serve in some ways, but you know, my Friday nights are pretty committed. My Saturdays are pretty committed. I, you know, don't, you know, let's kind of set some limits. And, and although if you're offended by this, okay, you realize I, all I did was tear up some paper and ink, right? Boy, the room went dead silent on me. Please don't stone me over this. <laughs> Although this Bible is kind of a write-off now because who knows what's missing. Um, so, I know some people are saying, you know, I'm thinking about leaving because what's the arc length? If the lightning strikes, will I get burned? Um, and the truth is none of us would normally tear up a Bible like that. But sometimes what we see happen is we rip up the word of God with the way we live or the way we don't live. And Jesus is saying, hang on here. Don't call me Lord and then just do whatever you want. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and then don't do what I say? That's the partially surrendered life. So um, I want to put up Proverbs 3, um, verses 5 through 6 in the PSV, which is the partially surrendered version. And you might have seen this before, so here it is. I'll read it out loud to you. Trust in the Lord with some of your heart and lean on your own understanding. In some of your ways, acknowledge him, and then you can make your own path straight. Does it ring true? I mean, okay, so now I I need to say, if you're new to the church, This is not a legitimate, genuine version of the Bible. I have changed it for the purposes of making this point. So, okay, so this is not real. Not real. You can relax now, church. I'm tearing up the Bible. I'm changing scripture. It's okay. It's going to be okay. But here's what we need to know. Jesus is no part-time Lord. He's not. And he doesn't want part-time followers. When you come to him, he asks you to give your whole life. He says, you want to follow me? Take up your cross and follow me. You want to find your life? You have to give it away. You have to lose your life. He says those things. You surrender. You come under the lordship of Jesus. He is supreme in authority. He is the one who says what is right and what is wrong. He is the controller. He is the Lord of all the earth. The Lord of all. The Lord of all. And we come under his lordship. You know, it, it's not up to us just to pick and choose and things like, you know, hey, Lord, I, I like this thing where you keep me out of hell, but I kind of still want to do my thing in these other parts of my life. He says, no, if you're going to call me Lord, I need to be your Lord. So what I want to do, and uh, this is rhetorical, I'm not asking anybody to say anything out loud or raise their hands or do anything like that, but I want to just take a minute and ask you to be very open with God and let him show you very prayerfully, ask this question, What have I not surrendered to you, Lord? What area of my life am I still trying to control? What area of my life am I unwilling to give? And it could be any area of your life. could be many different things. But be really, really honest with God and put a name on it. Put a name on it. I mean, it could be, I'll trust God with all these different things, but I just can't trust him with my kids. You know, they're going to do what I say and they're going to do what I want because I've got to be in control of my kids or your future. 
Could be, you know, I've got my future all lined up. I'm going to go to this school, and I'm going to learn this thing, and I'm going to get this kind of job, and I'm going to live in this city, and I'm going to get married by this date. And if that doesn't happen, then where's God? And you want to keep control of your future, and you won't surrender that. And, and Or it could be in a relationship where you say, I'm not going to do what God wants me to do. Um, I mean, I know dating this guy is wrong. But I, but I love him, and I know I can change him. And I'm telling you how many times I've had that discussion. And, and um, you know, what is it? What is it that you need to surrender to the Lordship of Jesus? Early on in our marriage, um, we'd been married probably for about two and a half years. And uh, we were fortunate enough to uh, be able to buy a home. And um, so we had just bought this house, and we had moved into it. And we had the master bedroom, and just off the master bedroom was this little tiny powder room. And uh, we hadn't been in there for very many nights. And one night in the middle of the night, you know, I'm in bed and I don't know about, you know, I, I go to sleep really fast. I lay down my head and my head's still sinking into the pillow when I'm gone. I go to sleep pretty fast. And one night I laid my head down to sleep and I'm asleep. And sometimes Lisa is up a little later than me. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> She's up a little bit later than me. And, um, and so, you know, do you wake up cheerful? Because sometimes I wake up a little bit cranky and something kind of was waking me up. I mean, I know some people and they're, they don't wake up cranky. Some people wake up a little different. They wake up like this. Have a super sparkly day. Have a super sparkly day. Have a super sparkly day. Yeah, and that's what it sounds like when you, you know, anyway, my, my wonderful, cheerful wife. So anyway, so we're laying in bed. <laughs> I'm laying in bed. I've just gone to sleep. I don't know what time it is. You know, time, have no idea about the time. And I start hearing, this, hearing her banging around in this little powder room. And I'm st- you know, now she's waking me up. It's kind of frustrating me. And I'm thinking, you know, and finally I said, honey, come to bed. You know, one of those. I know you guys don't talk to your wives. Like, honey, come to bed. And from six inches away, I hear the, hear the response, what? <laughs> so there's this noise. Somebody is trying to break into my, my house. They're trying to break into my house where my wife lives. They're trying to break into my wife's house. Okay, something's, I'm, I'm starting to get angry all over again. All this was decades ago. I mean, when she said that to me, and I realized it was not her in there making that noise, I, then I realized somebody's jimmying the window. They're trying to break into our home. Bang, I'm awake. I'm not having such a super sparkly day anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and my first thought is, okay, game on. Here we go. Wrong house to break into. But kind of not to my complete wits yet. First thing I do is I flip on the light. <laughs> Noise stops. And then you hear this footsteps. And now I'm angry. I'm angry. So what do I do? Now, mind you, I'm being very, I'm unzipping and being transparent. This is not what I recommend you do, okay? So what I did was I grabbed my 357 Magnum. This is 2.30 in the morning now, and I'm heading out into the dark in my neighborhood. (laughs) Angry, somebody's broken into my house, I've got this cannon in my hand, and I'm not objective. Could have gone really bad, okay? 
it could have gone really bad. Lisa's on the phone calling the sheriff. Somebody's trying to break into our house. You know, I don't know what the conversation is, but I can imagine after the fact, it's something like this. Um, yes, my husband's outside. Yes, he's got a gun. <laughs> Next thing is, I hear Lisa at the front door saying, Terry, come in. No. <laughs> I'm on patrol, you know. And, um, and she's saying, the sheriff is coming and he doesn't want you outside with a gun. Come in the house. I was really upset. Can you tell? I mean, I'm getting angry just thinking about it again. And, and so we had this experience. So what happened the next night? The next night, my 357 was on my bedstand. Now, we didn't have any little children then yet. And it was there every night for a very long time. I kept that gun by my bed. I wasn't afraid. But I was certain no one was going to invade my household or hurt my wife. I mean, I just was just, you, you, <laughs> just don't mess with me kind of a thing was going on, right? And it went on and on and on because I was going to make sure my wife was safe. I was going to make sure my house was protected. Me and my 357, you know. <laughs> Problem is, that focus was completely on what I could control what kind of safety I could provide, my diligence, my faithfulness, all of those things, which all are imperfect. All are imperfect. But even beyond that, I completely left God out of that. I was in control. This, thank you, God, I got this. And like the Lord always does with his loving children, he won't let it go there. He won't let it stop there. And he started to begin to trouble my soul a little bit. You know, hey, you going on patrol again? Got this covered again, yeah. And um, eventually we got to this place where I had this, I mean, it was a, a faith confrontation until I felt one day the Lord was really confronting me about this. And he was saying to me, am I your Lord? But that's not how he said it to me. The way he said it to me was, listen, are you gonna trust me to protect you and your wife? Are you going to hold up, are you going to take that with you, you and your three? I mean, who's going to be responsible here to protect you now and forever? Pick who's going to be your Lord. Because when it comes to me and my wife, I've been trusting me and my, my gun rather than trusting in the Lord, my God, the Lord, my high tower. And in that area of my life, I was half-hearted, lukewarm, distant from God's promises. I was a part-time follower. And the problem is that Jesus is no part-time Lord. And he doesn't want part-time followers. So as you're thinking that question through, be honest and ask him, you know, Lord, what area am I not fully surrendered to you, to your lordship? Because almost all of us in one area or another are not, you know, in some area we're living a partially surrendered life. The other level of surrender that I want to talk about and that I think Jesus wants for us is that I will call the fully surrendered life. You're all in. You're not a Sunday Christian. You're not a, you know, when it's convenient, I'll uh, follow you, God. You're a full on holding nothing back. My life doesn't belong to me because it belongs to you, centered person, a committed person. Romans 14, 7 talks about this. It says, for we don't live for ourselves or die for ourselves. If we live, how many of us are living? Really? 
Look at all the dead people in this room. I mean, how many of us are living? Okay, okay, that's better. Um, <laughs> if we live, it's to honor the Lord, the curios, the supreme authority, the controller. And if we die, it's to honor the Lord. So whether we live or die, who do we belong to? Scripture says, whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. We belong to him, so we surrender to his lordship. Look at my ring. I got a wedding ring on here. See that? I can take it off, show you. There it is. I wear it so that people know I belong to Lisa. And about 38 years ago or so, I bought Lisa the very nicest ring that a 19 or 18-year-old, too young a person shopping for a wedding ring could afford. (laughs) With whatever small amount of credit that a person that age could get. And um, when I gave it to her, the concept was, will you be mine? It's not just a Valentine's thing. I mean, the concept was, I got a ring for you to wear. Would you be mine? And I gave it to her. She said, yes, just in case you didn't know. He, she said, yes. So I've got a question. How much did that ring cost her? It cost me a lot. I mean, especially in those days in my pool of resources. It, but it cost her zero. It didn't cost her anything. But when she received it, how much did it cost her? Everything. Good answer. It cost her everything. At that time that the two of us stood before God and we got married, she gave her life to me. She belongs to me. She's mine. I belong to her. I'm hers. We belong to the Lord. We're his. Now, some of you are thinking, come on, Terry. She doesn't belong to you. Don't give me that mail show. Yeah, yeah. She actually literally belongs to me. Scripture says it. She's given herself to me. And I belong to her. I just don't get the right to make decisions about Terry. They are as much her decision as they are mine. Because I belong to her. My ring didn't cost me anything. Her ring didn't cost her anything. But when we received it, it cost everything. Because we give our life to each other. When Jesus shed his blood and died for you and for me. He offered you the free gift of salvation. By grace are you saved through faith so that no one can boast. It's not by works, but it's a gift from God to you. To you. Salvation costs you nothing and it costs Jesus everything. He left heaven. He left glory. He left all the rights. said, I'm going to lay that all down because I'm going to pay the price for something that's worth that much to me, you. And he offers that free gift of salvation. Costs, costs us nothing, costs him everything. So when we say yes to salvation, we no longer own the rights to our own life. We don't. If you surrender to his lordship, if you accept his salvation, you're no longer your own. You're no longer the controller of your life. Jesus is. That's why I'm so concerned about what I see today in the world of this casual approach to Jesus. You know, a six-pound, eight-ounce baby in a manger. Jesus is my buddy. Jesus is my homeboy. You know, no. No, (laughs) he isn't just the little Lord Jesus baby in a manger. He isn't just the Lord Jesus Christ dying on a cross, although that's a lot. That's not all it is. He's the soon-returning, conquering, reigning, ruling, master of the universe, coming back with a sword, king of kings and lord of lords. 
ruler of the universe. Our lives, if you're a Christian, don't belong to you. They belong to him. We belong to him. So let's go back to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And here's the real version this time, the real version. Verse 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Now, I have to say in that passage, I'm not a real fan for the way the word acknowledge is translated. It says, in all your ways acknowledge him. The Hebrew word there, yada, it literally means to know. To know. It's the exact same word that you see in Genesis 4, verse 1, where it says, Adam knew Eve, and she conceived a son. In all your ways, know him is way, way better translation. What does that mean that Adam knew? It means intimacy, face to face. They knew each other. They knew each other. They're, they're, they couldn't be separated. There was, there was no way to tell the difference. They reflected each other. In all your ways, know him. And I really believe that the reason so many of us don't surrender areas of our lives to the Lordship of Christ is because we don't know the Lord in that area of our life. That's the bottom line. Because I I believe that to know him is to trust him. To know him is to surrender to him. He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He's all-loving. He's good in every way. And he's a relational God who came to us in the name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Somebody asked Jesus one day, you know, he's kind of roaming around and people ask him lots of questions and somebody says, hey Jesus, what's the most important commandment? The most. By the way, the answer is a relational answer. It's not a task, it's a relational thing. The most important thing to do is to love your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. It's a fully committed life. It's not a, I like this, but I don't like that kind of a menu, so I'll just take this and I won't eat my veggies um, or broccoli. Um, no broccoli. It's not like that. It's not like that at all. It's a love relationship. Lisa doesn't just stay with me because of a promise alone that she made 37 years ago. She stays with me because of an intimate, ongoing love relationship. Because we know each other. We've given our lives to each other. We have an everyday, thriving, living, loving relationship. If there's any area of your life where you're not surrendered to him, it's because you don't know him in that area. And it's time to get to know him in that area of your life. And I don't want to create any fear in anybody here. That's not the right thing to do. But I'll say this about about the, the topic. Sometimes we need to have a degree of reverent fear before the Lord. I mean, there are way too many people out there under the illusion that everything is okay with God because one day... Sometime in the past, years ago, they raised their hand or they got baptized or they joined a church. And the reality is there's a lot more to Christianity than that. The gift of eternal life may not cost you anything, but your only reasonable response, according to Romans 11, is to give your whole life, to give your whole life to the Lord. And if you're not giving your whole life to the Lord, sometimes you just got to stop and you got to ask the question, do I really know him? Do I really know him? That's why I don't like the word acknowledge. Hi, Jesus, versus know him. Jesus said some of the most haunting words in Scripture in Matthew 7. I'm going to read this, and then we're going to be done. We'll be out the door. Not everyone who says to me, here's our phrase, Lord, Lord, 
Jesus is Lord. I got the bumper sticker. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? In our world, that would be like saying, you know, didn't I go to church every now and then? Didn't I give some money to the guy ringing the bell at the mall? You know, wasn't I a good person? Didn't I do these good things, Lord, Lord? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. I never knew you. He's saying we didn't have a relationship. You gave me lip service, but we didn't know each other. There was no intimacy. You said you knew me, but you didn't do what I said. There's a really big difference between calling Jesus Lord and surrendering to his lordship. It's where I take whatever I have, whatever I'm trying to control, give it to him, and trust him with all of my heart. Lean not on my own understanding. In all my ways, I will know him, and he will make my path straight. Let's pray. Lord, today I want to ask you to speak to us in a way that only you can do. For Lord, it's to me and to anyone here who has discovered that there is some part of their heart that's partially surrendered. Lord, lead us as a gentle shepherd because the truth is we're sheep and sometimes we wander into dangerous areas and sometimes we're willful. I pray, Lord, that, that today there would be lives that would be transformed, that there would be marriages transformed, there would be relationships transformed. Lord, I just ask God for you to speak to us in a way that only you can do. And Lord, to change what only the Holy Spirit can do, and that is the heart of people. And Lord, I just want to also just allow, ask for the Holy Spirit to circulate among the hearts of people who have never surrendered at all to you in lordship. Church, keep praying. I just want to say briefly, if you have never, ever surrendered to the Lordship of Christ over your life and over your future, there's a heaven to be gained and a hell to stay out of. And Jesus offers this free, free gift of salvation. He paid everything so that you could, he could give it to you. And I encourage you right now to surrender to his Lordship. And the way you do that is you call on the name of Jesus and say, Lord, save me. And then you begin your journey. It's not going to be based on what you do. It's going to be based on what he's already accomplished. If you've never opened your heart to the Lord, you should do it. You don't know what tomorrow holds. I'm going to look around the room, and as I'm praying, just give an opportunity. If you've never opened your heart and you want to get this settled with him right now, just let me agree with you. I just, I'm not going to call you out, but look up and let me pray with you. So right now, looking across the room, make sure if I don't see you, just wave your hand at me. Is that where you're looking? Okay. Okay. Lord, I just pray that um, on this day where we talk about surrender and lordship, I can sense just, this is, this is a challenge, Lord. It's, it's been challenging me. And Lord, frankly, every person here at some area of their life needs to, to give over lordship to you. Forgive us, God, where we've been less faith-filled than you want us to be. But Lord, build us. Build us with our faith. And we thank you, Lord, that you love us the way you do. In Jesus' name.